Cool, so I'm going to be reading uh, Luke 2, if you want to have a Bible open. So that's page 971. So I'll start at verse 21, read a little section and then skip a bit, um, but I'll explain where I am as we go. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And then we kind of, if you read through, we hear about Simeon and how he uh, meets Jesus. And then if we skip ahead to verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So the person that I am speaking to you about this evening is Anna, which has proved quite confusing <laughs> over today with my name. Um, and I have chosen her not just because we have a similar name, I promise. I think you can easily kind of miss her in that whole passage. There's only those three verses about her in the whole Bible. She's not mentioned in any of the other Gospels. But I think we learn a lot from just that small bit of information about her. The very fact that she's named and her lineage is included kind of marks her out as someone who's important. The first thing that we find out about her is that she's a prophet. She's one of a handful of women in the Bible who are given that title. So straight away, this marks her out as someone who is defined by her relationship with God. This is someone who has been called and chosen by God. And this uh, story that we've just read takes place right at the beginning of the New Testament. I find it quite interesting that the most of Anna's life would have been in that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament of um, not much happening. Sometimes it's described as kind of a time of silence. The other thing that is especially drawn attention to is her age. It doesn't just say that she is old, but that she is very old. Um, and there's a little bit of debate um, with the translation about her exact age. So she's either 84 at the point that she meets Jesus, or she's been a widow for 84 years, which potentially could mean she's around 105. Anyway, she's married for about seven years when she's younger, and then her husband died, meaning that she's been a widow for a really, really long time, the vast majority of her life. She could be around 14, 15 when she got married. That would have been the average age at around that time. And no children are mentioned in that little section. Um, she's referred to by her father. So to me, it seems unlikely that she had any children. Um, and whatever her exact age is, this is a woman who's been a widow and unmarried for a really long time, the vast majority of her life. 
and at a time when women's worth and identity was centered around their family, this is a big deal. Because widows were one of the most vulnerable in society. There were Jewish laws that were in place to kind of protect them against abuse and neglect. And Jesus went on as we read further into the New Testament to kind of implore people to look after widows. A childless widow would have faced even uh, more hardship. She didn't have a husband to provide for her and protect her, but she also didn't have any uh, son to kind of look after her as she grew up, as she got older. So she's in a very vulnerable position, no stability or security. Younger widows were often encouraged to remarry, but she hasn't. We don't know if she wanted to, what her circumstances were, what she hoped for her life, what her family wanted for her. But I think we can be pretty sure that it wouldn't have been an easy life and probably not what she had pictured. So when we think of a hero, an elderly Jewish widow is maybe not the first thing that springs to mind. And actually, I did a little um, challenge with the morning service where I got them to draw a picture of a hero first of all before I introduce Anna. And this was one that I just found on the floor a minute ago. We've got some sort of like Superman figure here. I think we can be uh, tempted to think in this sermon series of heroes of the faith that they're for people who've kind of achieved something amazing, who've done something of great significance. And I think if we're measuring Anna by maybe what our world or films or books say a hero is, she doesn't really seem to measure up. But this is a woman who is devoted to God. It says that she never left the temple. She worshiped night and day fasting and praying. Pause to think about that for a second. She worshipped, she fasted, she prayed night and day. The temple was where the heart of faith was at that time, the place where God's presence was, so that was where Anna was to be found. Her life is defined by prayer and worship. For potentially 60, 80 years, she's always there day in, day out, decades of her life. She sought the Lord continually, not only praying, but fasting as well. And it does make me wonder, do we have the same attitude to worship? I don't think I am there anyway. Uh, Some days I find it difficult enough just to wake up that half an hour early to read my Bible and pray. Never mind this kind of level of devotion night and day. And I'm not saying this to point fingers at anyone, but you may have noticed that often we are quite empty at the start of our services here, um, and people then slowly drift in. Obviously, things happen. Um, But it does make me question as to whether we as a church have that hunger for worship, a longing to gather and be in his presence. What might our church look like if we were that persistent and devoted to God? What would it mean for our lives? And what would it mean for those who we come into contact with, our local community?
It says in uh, 1 Timothy 5, which is a section that's kind of all about widows and some other groups, um, the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. That's Anna to me. She's endured real hardships and from her circumstances she might seem alone or without hope. And yet, is she lonely? I don't think so. She might be alone by what the world standards are, but by God's, definitely not. This is someone who spent her days and her nights in the presence of God. Now, her story includes real pain. It wouldn't have been an easy life. But in her grief, she runs towards God, not away from him. This is someone whose hope is in God. A hope that is way more than wishful thinking, but it's a confident expectation of what God's promised. Trusting in his faithfulness and his presence, no matter what the circumstances. When things are not easy in our lives, as we all have those moments, is it our first reaction to turn to worship and prayer in this way? To devote ourselves to God, to put our hope in him. I think there's something really powerful about a simple life lived in prayer and worship. Day in, day out, serving God, being with him. And Anna doesn't say, I am too old either. God doesn't put those restrictions on us. Her age is something that we should celebrate. Um, and I hope you'll forgive me for making a Barbie reference, for those of you who've seen the film. Uh, but there's a scene that the director, um, Greta Gerwig, has described as a kind of transaction of grace. Uh, so Barbie leaves the kind of perfect Barbie land, and she's in the real world, and then she meets this old woman sitting on a bench. And she's never seen aging before. And here's an old woman sitting there with all the signs of aging. And Barbie kind of just stares at her, this old woman. And the old woman then turns and smiles at her. And Barbie tells this woman that she's beautiful. She's in awe of her. And she is beautiful. Joy just shines out of her. So bear with the reference, but that's kind of how I imagine Anna full of joy and beauty because of a life well lived. Physically, she might have aged, but she is beautiful because she knows God so well. Have you ever met someone who just knows God so well that it like shines out of them? It's not about what she physically looks like necessarily, but it's beautiful because of the presence of God in them, in her. Even in Anna's very old age, she is faithful to God. She's loyal, a constant presence in the temple because of her desire just to be with God. And one of the things that God has particularly been speaking to me about at the moment is how our call is to be faithful, not successful. Faithfulness, I think, is far more significant to God than achieving and supposed success. Um, and those of you who were here last week, um, Johnny mentioned that we're called to a lifetime of obedience with God, which I think really fits in with Anna's story as well, so that we can be those people who are longing to meet him at the end of our lives. 
think if I was to choose one word to describe Anna's life from what we learn from those few passages, it would be faithfulness. And I think biblical heroism looks much more like Anna than that picture, no offense to whoever drew it this morning. It's a lifetime of obediently serving God. It's as simple as daily walking with Jesus. I'm not saying that's easy, but that's as simple as that. Time spent in his presence every day, every night, day by day, year by year. To be an ordinary person, but with extraordinary faith. And I think it's impossible for us to grow in faith, which is what we're all seeking to do without growing in faithfulness. Most of the uh, sort of t- those who would fit that title of heroes of the faith of our um, series at the moment, I think actually we're never going to know. We won't know their stories because it's not about ego, so they won't be famous. It's not about ego, it's about knowing Jesus. It's not about our own plans for our lives because if we were to plan it, it probably wouldn't turn out that way anyway. It's about submitting to God's plan. Like one of my personal heroes, my great aunt, who um, it was only at her funeral that I learned that she'd been a Sunday school superintendent, which I think is quite a scary but impressive title. (laughs) So she'd done that for years, but also none of the family knew into the funeral that she'd been a volunteer Samaritan for years as well. Or Papa, my grandpa, who had dementia for many years and couldn't remember any of us yet remembered the words of hymns and used to sing them very loudly and praise Jesus in his nursing home. I'm not sure what the other people thought of that, but we thought it was brilliant. So we're not always going to get it right because we're human. But a faith that defines our whole lives, our whole beings, is one of consistently turning to Jesus again and again. And so our faith needs to be more than just Sundays, more than just the walls of this church, as great as they are. It's about time spent with him. For Anna, that was in the temple, but for us, that's wherever we are. Yes, at church, but also at home, at work, with our friends, with our family, in all the different places we go, in the ordinary, in the everyday. It's living in constant conversation with Jesus. Like Anna, it might mean years of sacrifice and service to serve God when actually things are not that exciting. And I don't imagine that all of her prayers over those many years, those decades, were filled with joy either. I imagine that some were probably angry or calling out about how long she would have to wait. We see that in the prayers of the Psalms. We know that people um, have been doing that throughout history. But I think the main thing that stands out to me about Anna and her story is that her relationship with God is the number one relationship in her life. And I think that should be the same for us here today. Our relationship with God should be the defining relationship in our lives. Not because God is a tyrant making demands of us, making sure that we must follow the rules, but because of our love and hunger for him, to know him so deeply. God loves us, so he wants that relationship with us. He wants to spend time with us. It's as simple as that. 
After all, he sacrificed everything to be with us so that we could know him and be with him. And let's not forget that as we read in the Bible, Jesus himself prayed, worshipped, and fasted. He knew the importance of being in relationship with the Father. And so if Jesus thought that was worthwhile, surely it's worthwhile for us too. The most important relationship for us needs to be the one with God. No matter what our circumstances, what our relationship status, whether we're single, married, widowed, young, old. And as we read, Anna was so devoted to Jesus that when uh, he turned up, she was right there. She knew God so well after a long life following him. Immediately, she recognizes Jesus. It says at that very moment in the passage we just read. She knew him so well that there doesn't seem to be any hesitation. She knows it's the Messiah, the one she's been waiting for. Where others might have just seen a baby, Anna saw the Savior. And let's not forget that it was the Jewish tradition for sons to be brought to the temple, as we read at the beginning, to be dedicated to God in this way. So it wouldn't have been an unusual sight for a baby to be there. So what makes this baby any different? I think we forget just how kind of radical and unexpected that is. That the savior of the world, the one they've been waiting for, the promised Messiah came to earth as a poor, vulnerable baby. Who would expect that? Yet Anna knew him. Would we recognize him? Are our lives defined by knowing him that well? Is he the most important relationship in our lives? God must have chosen Anna for a reason to be one of the people that got to meet Jesus when he came to earth. I just love that she's been included alongside Simeon in this um, story. I think it really speaks of how good God is that this old Jewish widow who's been praying for so many years was seen as valuable enough and important enough to meet Jesus at what we can assume is uh, pretty much the end of her life. I think some would think that maybe she hasn't achieved very much or maybe even her time has been wasted all those years. I don't think any time in worship is wasted. Jesus sees her, her lifetime of obedience to him, and she sees him face to face. Praise flows out of her, the joy of finally seeing Jesus after years of seeking him, worshiping him. Finally, her hope has arrived. And again, what does she do? She turns to worship, praising and thanking God. And then what does she do next as a result of that encounter when she meets Jesus in person at last? She tells others. She knows that good news is meant to be shared. So this elderly lady tells everyone about Jesus, the hope for the world. She didn't keep this truth to herself. She's so confident in what has been revealed to her. So she shared it. It says she shared it with all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I kind of picture in the temple kind of every time someone arrived, like so excited to tell them this news that it just kind of spilled out of her. She couldn't help it. 
Jesus was so important to have that of course she was going to talk about him, of course she was going to share it. It has kind of challenged me to think, do I have that level of kind of excitement? Do I know him so well that I just want to share what he's doing in my life, the encounters that I have with him in that way? And one day we know, we believe that we will meet him face to face too. The joy that we will feel when we're finally with Jesus, our saviour, the number one in our lives. And so that's why we're faithful to him now, here on earth, knowing that one day we too will meet him. The one who loves us so much, who knows us best, who sees us. And so I think Anna's story for us here today is a reminder to just that, to be faithful. The importance of just simply spending time in his presence in prayer and worship. Putting Jesus as number one, the most important relationship of our lives. And looking forward to that day when we will meet him face to face. Amen.